Hello everyone, welcome to Audiobookish. Uh, this is an audiobook review and discussion podcast. My name is Ved Rahman, I'm here with Poppy Knight. Hello. So today's book is A Slow Fire Burning and the blurb goes as follows. Laura has spent most of her life being judged. She's seen as a hot-tempered, troubled loner. Some even call her dangerous. Miriam knows that just because Laura is witnessed leaving the scene of a horrific murder with blood on her clothes, that doesn't mean she's the killer. Bitter experience has taught her that how easy it is to get caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. Carla is reeling from the brutal murder of her nephew. She trusts no one. Good people are capable of terrible deeds. How far will she go to find peace? Innocent or guilty, everyone is damaged. Some are damaged enough to kill. Look what you started. And do you want to read out the bio for the author, Paula Hawkins? Yep, so this one is written by Paula Hawkins. Paula Hawkins worked as a journalist for 15 years before turning her hand to fiction. Born and brought up in Zimbabwe, Paula moved to London in 1989 and has lived there ever since. Her first thriller, The Girl on the Train, has been a global phenomenon, selling 23 million copies worldwide. Published in over 40 languages, it has been a number one bestseller around the world and was a number one box office hit film starring Emily Blunt. Into the Water, her second standalone thriller, has also been a global number one bestseller, spending 20 weeks in the Sunday Times hardback fiction top 10 bestseller list and six weeks at number one. And uh, Slow Fire Burning was released on the 31st of August this year and the audiobook was read by Rosamund Pike. So I've got a few thoughts initially. I just want to kind of generally just get out there Mm -hmm. at the start. I really enjoyed Rosamund Pike's performance. Mm -hmm. I thought she read absolutely beautifully and... One of the things I really enjoyed, so the audio books kind of wrong foots you right at the start because it starts off with yes. a a story within a story. Rosamund reads, reads out a chapter from a book called The One That Got Away, which is written by one of the characters within the book. What's his name again? Uh, Theo. Theo. So uh, Theo is, is, is the author of this book. So you immediately wrong footed about what type of story this is going to be, whose viewpoint it's being told from, which I think is an also really important theme yeah. that runs through the novel. Just, I, I really enjoyed the way that she narrated and I really enjoyed that beginning part as well. Yeah, I agree. I think she did a really good job. I thought she was really expressive and engaging. I mean, obviously you'd expect that from, you know, the acclaimed actor that she is. I did, as a slight tiny criticism, I did find that sometimes the voices of the different characters weren't the most consistent you know sometimes some characters sounded like the other character sounded a bit ago and kind of I felt like and especially male characters I felt like they often sounded quite similar and yeah sometimes I was like that character doesn't sound like they usually sound but that's the only criticism I can give of it I thought you know the yeah expression in everything and the pacing that she did was fabulous and the voices were really good it was just that yeah, consistency, I guess, that sort of shook me a little bit, if I have to say one criticism. I I agree with that. I think mm. Rosamund's got such a beautiful voice. Mm. She's got the sort of voice that would become a horde of marauding <laughs> barbarians. She's able to imbue the text with such emotion yes. and tenderness mm. and anger and rage and hurt that it seems a little bit churlish to criticize her i yeah this is a story that's 
that's set in London. I do think she struggled with the Lon- some of the London accents, right? Uh, especially some of the uh, male accents, as as you mentioned there. S- some of the male characters did kind of blend into each other for me mm. a little bit, but her reading of the main text outside yeah. of the character work is just is just it was just wonderful to listen to. So I think it's one of those things that we've talked about before, where I don't know whether it would have been a nice idea to have maybe a more full cast production where you've got, you've got different actors playing different roles and just having Rosamund narrate it. But that would have taken away, I think, something from some of the female performances that she, she, yeah. she the performances of the female characters that she had, which were really excellent all the way yeah. throughout. Yeah, I was going to say a kind of a similar thing, actually. I think I've been listening to a lot recently, and I think we both have, that has been very performed. And I do really love that in my, in my audio stuff. And I needed to kind of click my brain into realising that rather than performed, this one is being read. And you know that slightly different thing of we're not expecting to be transported into that place as if we're listening in with our ear, you know, close to them. It's it's that we're actually being read to. And yeah, I kind of needed to remind myself that's a completely valid and enjoyable way for books to be translated into the audio format. And especially in a book like this, where the narration is so heavy it is it does have dialogue in it it does have a decent amount of dialogue in it but unlike some other things it is led by that narration the description the detail where i think it being read to you is maybe a better choice than this like performed to either by one person or or multiple people and i think the only thing we've said about like those slight bits of does this sound like the right character or whatever is more someone being on top of that and I guess asking her to say that again either when that's in recording or afterwards um, but having have now an insider knowledge into how audiobooks are made and the tight production schedules and uh, <laughs> and deadlines <laughs> on them I can totally see why the meticulous detail that obviously in a perfect world we would love was maybe not possible in this one. Yeah, and just to echo your thoughts there's again there's a lot of narration in the text and a lot of it is the internal thoughts of the characters yeah and i think it was absolutely the, you know the correct choice to have mm. one narrator read read this out I, i'm not sure it would have justified a multi yeah. a multicast i think that would thing. have been more clashy yeah. wouldn't it really yeah um, it would have been more more clashy so the, the the other thing i wanted to mention really quickly is how well written all the characters were yes. so i really loved all the female characters. I loved Miriam. I loved Irene, even though she said something that really upset me later on. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> in the book. Yeah. I quite liked Carla and Laura as well. They're all, in their own way, they're all difficult. They're all deeply flawed characters that do things that are unpleasant to themselves or to other people you can't help but kind of grow close to them in a in a weird way so I just uh, I was just wondering what you felt about that as well yeah I mean I made a note that the characters are what make this book definitely in the characterization for sure and I think uh, when we go into potential spoiler territory if we dig down into each character because yeah I don't necessarily agree with you on on Miriam but I uh, fully percent agree with you on Irene but yeah so we'll talk about that we'll go through them all we'll dissect them later Um, but I totally agree yeah characterization is really what what it's the crux of this book is it's it's, I'd say the best thing about this book really for me the text certainly at least was that it was quite a lot about 
about people and about families and about relationships rather than or in addition to it obviously being a crime story i know obviously all crime has a social kind of side to it but it very much felt to me like you could take out the crime case the body who's found certainly the the first body that we hear about being found <laughs> out of this and you'd still have a really interesting book that's maybe not a crime book but a book about interconnected families and people and stuff like that i i completely agree with you that i don't want to say the murder's almost superfluous but it's, it's a little bit though i get you yeah <laughs> these characters you know bumping along and interacting with each other is really what drives drives the tension there's it's not an action-packed book there's not mm-hmm. lots of action scenes or there's not a lot of violence described well that's not true there's not <laughs> a lot of i was gonna say there's not a lot of violence described within the book but it's not, not one of those actually happens yeah not as you know as it not as it happens but the, the tension comes from uh, how much information the characters are going to be revealing to each other and how how much of themselves they're going to reveal to the other the other characters i feel a lot of tension in the book comes from that and a lot of the stakes are just how the characters view each other which I found really interesting as well so those are the the things I wanted to kind of talk about initially what have you got on what have you got on your notes yeah no well I mean coming off that I wanted to comment that I do think Cliffhanger's done very well a bit like how we commented for for True Crime Story a really good job of dropping something in for you to then go oh what what, what do you mean by that but then oh wait you gotta wait two chapters before you hear about that kind of really clever stuff with that which I thought was yeah really good yeah i mean speaking of chapters i did like how they were basically 15 minute chapters a lot of the time which was nice it's a nice bite size kind of thing you can go through so yeah if that's a selling point for anyone uh listening i thought that was quite good it's almost uh, kind of reminded me of gundren yeah! kind of, it's kind of like almost a perfect mm. perfect length of listening to yeah, something no, yeah so yeah and then also generally i mean this book has been pushed really hard. You know, if people listening are following publishing things and bookshops and stuff on, on any socials and stuff, you'll see how big this is pushed. Obviously because of The Girl on the Train was such a massive, massive hit. It's even, I was, uh, I follow... I think we spoke about this before in like the pilot, but I follow some Norwegian publishers and bookshops and stuff like that. And even they've been posting about it. And I mean, given how big crime is over there and in Scandinavia in general, the fact that they're championing this one um, to their readers is, you know, presumably a, a pretty good, pretty good sign. But yeah, I hadn't read or watched The Girl on the Train. And I haven't read. Like, yeah. Neither have I. Um, Neither so- have I. There you go then, guys. We're coming into this completely fresh. So we can't say if you liked that, you'll like this or whatever, but just a, a completely fresh one. And if you do have any thoughts on uh, how you thought it compares, feel free to let us know because we would find that interesting. The other thing I wanted to s- just say as a, a last thing to anyone who's unconvinced before we get into spoilers as to whether they want to go and listen is that we kind of talked in the last episode go listen to that if you haven't because we love true crime story um about how that was like a really good book for crime lovers um serial crime listeners and readers and watchers who were also wanting something that was really experimental and messes with the form takes advantage of the audio and all that sort of stuff this is not the same kind of book but i think if you are a serial crime lover you know you get all the crime books as they're coming out, you know, there's a load of people that, that do that, then this sh- there's no reason this should not be on your list. You know, it's definitely um, one to add on to there. And if you like crime, but in a more dabbly way, I think it's definitely one you should consider. It was pretty good. I've, I, yeah, I w- would echo that. I'd, I'd not read any of 
the, the previous books I hadn't read Paul um mm-hmm. the girl on the train or in into the into the water I, I think I will probably actually mm-hmm. check them out now after yeah. after reading this yeah yeah the writing was really good and it just felt like it had done yeah it had done the crime yeah. genre really well without being you know stale and too much like everything else but a, like a comfortable like everything else I think is maybe a good way to describe it yeah I, yeah I think it's it's, it's got plenty of tension that the the characters are really well ob- observed it does mm. keep you guessing as well as to who did or didn't do yeah. certain things whether certain people have strange ideas about what yes. is actually real and not who who to trust and who not to trust so it's just it's got all those elements you that you'd want from a crime thriller great characters great writing a well-written dialogue yeah, as well definitely. so i think we've we what we agree, what me and poppy agreed was we'd be talk in general terms non-spoilery because there's no real way to talk about the book without getting into yeah. spoilers so poppy is there anything else you want to say before we give up the, the spoiler um, yes yeah, so i was just gonna say one last thing before we spoiler this is kind of a spoiler but it's a spoiler that i think people need to be aware of it does not pass the dog doesn't die test and oh. I, I know many people, my mum my included, will do the thing for films where you like check that website that asks about that. Um, it does not pass that test. So I guess that is the one reason why you wouldn't put it on your list if you're not going to be happy with that. Because, yeah, I was not happy with that. I'm trying to forget about it and overlook it, but I needed to let you know before anyone uh, listens to it and then is, is upset by that. So, yes, it doesn't pass that test, just so you're aware. So I wasn't aware of that. Oh, such oh a test yes, existed. there is a website. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but there is a website. I think it's just called Does the Dog Die? And basically, if any animals die in a film, it will um, flag it up on there, or the film will say, No, you're all good. No one dies. No animals die in this one. Um, so, yes, for animal lovers, it's a, okay. it's a great thing to check out. Okay, so spoiler claxons, guys. Spoilers yep. from here on out. Spoilers, spoilers, if you've listened, spoilers. Listened, you don't mind spoilers. Your last chance. Then you can keep going. If not, listen and then come back. Okay, so. Spoilers one, two, three. Let's get into spoiler territory. So where where do you want to start with with your spoilery? <laughs> well, should we maybe go characters Poppy? then? Should we go through them and what we what okay. we think of them? Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, who do you want to start with? Okay, okay. So let's start with Miriam because I think we've got slightly different yeah. opinions. So on Miriam, Miriam, for those who haven't read it but just don't care about spoilers, listen. Sorry, for those who haven't listened to it but just don't care about spoilers, is describes herself in her own internal monologue as not being likable to other people other people don't find her likable they make assumptions about her they think she's this that and the other and yeah a busybody a a nosy person quite abrupt unfriendly untrustworthy various things and i guess you might be able to describe it better but my stance on it was that i understood that and i understood what she meant about being judged and i understood the stuff about how experiences in her past have definitely contributed to that and her difficulty making new friends and connecting with people because of the traumatic experience that she went through and therefore I wanted to like her but she still just rubbed me up the wrong way I don't know that's I I I I can completely understand I can completely understand that so Miriam's got this I can't like the way Miriam talks about herself is kind of, is sort of like very self-depreciative, mm, yeah. uh, self in a very self-depreciating way. She talks about herself, you know, as you mentioned, not being able to make friends. She's got quite a negative view about her 
personal Mm -hmm. appearance she makes i think she makes assumptions about what other people think of her and i think because she makes those assumptions those assumptions come true in a weird way and she does some awful things have happened to to miriam so as i mentioned at the start of the book opens with a book within a book called the one who got away which is an account of two girls who are kidnapped sexually assaulted and one of them is is killed and that is based on miriam's true life it's kind of a true life account of what happened to to miriam when she was mm-hmm. younger and i think that that, that that's a key a key, yeah. the key event in her life it's one of those weird things you know does trauma justify your your bad behavior and they're, they're, she does some really horrible yeah. things in this book the, the aforementioned Puppy. No, stop that it. Was, stop uh, talking about it. <laughs> that got... <laughs> that, that's yeah, probably but, the main and, reason why but... I still don't like her. <laughs> the puppy thing was bad, but the way she turns on Laura mm. for me was just unforgivable. It was just, it was just really, really, ho- really horrible, mm. horrid thing to do. When she so, had stolen yeah, so something I, I, yeah. from Laura, you know, which is what Laura is saying, you know, yeah. I'm aware she didn't want her going through her stuff, but equally, you did steal that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was kind of one of those things where I don't say like her. I feel about, maybe I feel about her the same way as I'd feel about Omar from The Wire in terms of I understand that she's got a certain way of behaving and I understand why she behaves that way. Would I want to spend any time with Laura in... Um, with in a friendly me. capacity, probably not. But as a character, I really just enjoyed watching her scheme <laughs> and trying to get her away and that justifiable yes. vengeance that she's kind of plotting against Theo all the time. So I I, I really like, like it when people are trying to take mm. revenge on other people. So I think that's probably why she endeared me a little bit closer to my that's heart. Fair. We know you love a villain. Was, We've been over this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and <laughs> yeah. certainly the revenge that she takes at the end, you know, was, you know, I'm on board with that on her attacker. But some of her methods for how she wanted to get back at Theo and just outlook on it I guess I think it's one of those things that, like you were saying a lot of it's written in their perspective like their thoughts um, and I think it was just that it's the fact that okay you think outsiders judge you alright but we are getting the insider we're getting what you're actually thinking and I'll be honest I don't like that that much either was <laughs> sort of where I ended up on it yeah certainly not any sort of like hatred of her but um, didn't didn't like so much yeah, I, feel, I I can completely understand why you'd feel that way. I think maybe the next character we should come to then is Laura. How how did you feel about Yeah, I Laura? liked Laura. I did really like Laura. And I think that's one where it was certainly very helpful for you to hear her internal thoughts. And you could understand how she struggles with the fact because... that what is going on internally for her isn't what everyone else perceives. It's kind of a, a very similar thing to what Miriam yeah, because... is about. But I think, yeah, in that case i managed to kind of see that a lot better that conflict between those two identities in a way sort of i completely agree with that and because otherwise the stuff that she does is so erratic that she just you can see how other people would see her as just a, a crazy person that some of the stuff that you know the uh kind of the, the breakdowns she has outside the laundrette after she loses her job the way she can't yeah. help but laugh when she's in trouble which to be fair is something that happens to me 
<laughs> my gran is so well, bad for it kind of she's listening i know she is she's so bad for it she laughs when people hurt themselves and she's trying to say sorry but she's laughing too hard yeah yeah so her getting her internal mm. monologue to kind of understand what was happening inside her head and why she had such poor impulse yeah control was was really helpful i had so much sympathy oh, God, for yeah. her situation there was one thing about the her storyline that I didn't appreciate and it's nothing to do with Laura herself but it's just can we get rid of this evil step parent <laughs> trope her stepmother just seemed like yeah. you know, the typical st- stuck up second wife that doesn't want anything to do with the children that she's marrying into and I'm I just I just think that's I just think it's a little bit damaging to, to, to be honest with you I just think there are lots of blended yes. flam- families that operate perfectly nicely and you know, stepmothers that are really nice people. So, we, you know, maybe if we can kind of get rid of that trope. A I think bit. that's I totally know. fair. And if I'm honest, I don't think she added a whole lot to the story. I think she could have been done away with, to be fair. I mean, I guess there was the stuff about her then, it being a barrier between her and her dad. You know, you sort of thought that her dad did yeah. want to help her, but couldn't. So I guess maybe that's the function that she serves. But yeah, I think, like you say, it's kind of a, is everything going to be like this tropesy thing? And there is an issue with this one of you know laura's brain damage her mental impairment and the way that is used in crime books is something to be considered it's not always used in the most responsible way i guess is something to say um but I, the... I felt that the portrayal here was quite sensitive to, yeah to be I, fair. i'm not laying judgment on this particular yeah. text i'm just kind of yeah. Yeah. with you talking about tropes it is something that can be yeah. considered a trope and yeah that is maybe something that is yeah it's something that is used in the genre and questions about how that's used are you know around and, and worthwhile i think with the stepmom thing i think what's a lot more important is her relationship with her actual with her biological mother yeah really let her down in a number of ways oh, <laughs> oh that's mildly uh, yeah mildly and i think i think that <laughs> relationship sort of could have just taken the brunt of the evil stepmom ones which i hadn't thought of in such a cartoony way but now you say it i do i do see that um but yeah i think that could have instead of splitting those two things across those two people i guess maybe could have yeah focused those issues on on the the mother more the the stepmother being a barrier to for for laura access because a lot of the a lot of Laura's narrative is about how she yeah. doesn't have the support that she needs to function. I think having the stepmother there as a barrier to to that support is was mm. probably a necessary plot contrivance. It's just earlier this year, I read Bright Burning Things by Lisa Harding, and it had a similar <laughs> plot device in that. And maybe there might have yeah. been a better way of, of yeah. dealing with that. And, you know, Laura is a very funny character. She's a very yeah. caring person as well but she obviously what so what happens to laura in the in the book is when she's nine or ten years old she's run over by a car and she breaks breaks her leg she suffers a really bad injury and part of the reason why she's been unable to recover from both the physical and the emotional fallout from that is that the, the car was being driven by her mother's lover who her mother then went on to mm. marry and that has just uh, just been a devastating yeah, effect and the fact that her uh, mom her. had told the guy to drive off. So it was originally reported as a yes. hit and run, but actually she was trying to cover up 
this. Certainly how we're told it, he would have wanted to stay around and help and wanted to make sure she was all right and everything. But yeah, she she covered it up because she chose him and she chose her dirty secret over Laura. There's a big thing. I thought it was interesting how um, we've now had two books these two penguin ones on the trot where a girl has a car accident in the past. I thought that was an interesting yes. coincidence. That's not something <laughs> yeah. I would have pulled up as one of the tropes of um, crime, but I mean, it seems to be <laughs> in these two. No, but I mean, you also said with saying plot device on, on for that about, about the stepmother, I guess that's sort of quickly going back to it. What I was meaning with Laura conditions like that sometimes used for plot device reasons, ideas of this kind of erratic behavior and stuff like that used to, for various reasons of of stuff in in crime, but um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting how the car crash is was in both. <laughs> what what's the chances? Yeah, and how that's kind of had really bad effect on on both mm. characters, kind of late late later on. The really important thing I think flows through both Miriam and Laura's story is how both of them have struggled to to get over trauma that's been in the past and how lies have kind of compounded that trauma so I think for Miriam the lies that she perceived is that oh why did you not stay with your friend and in her mind that's everyone's telling her you did absolutely the right right thing but in her own head she gets the, the message that you should have stayed with her and with Laura it's just kind of the lies that her parents both her parents told her about what had happened no, to definitely. Her. Laura is, Laura. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah I, I think Laura's, I wouldn't say a lovely character, but he's someone that you, all the characters in the book, uh, her and Irene are the two characters that you really want everything definitely. to work out for. And, you know, especially later on in the book where Laura is in serious jeopardy from law. You just think, I can't, I don't know, do this to I her. Know. She's been, been, been through enough um, already. So I think the next character probably worth talking about is, is Carla. Mm. So how did you feel, feel about yeah, Carla? Um, now, this is within the context of, remember I said all the characters are amazing, that is the best thing about the book. I guess she's the kind yeah. of least standout character for me, I guess. Um, but I think in a kind of way, I can't like sum her up like her personality, if that makes sense. But uh, the main thing with Carla, and I think this is fair to say, is how she is haunted by the death of her son. So her son dies as a very young boy. She is understandably extremely affected by this, and that is a theme of the book. And, massive spoiler again, it's what leads her to kill. Yeah. So, yeah. As a kind of, yeah, I don't really know how to sum her up as a character and as a person. And I think a lot of it relies on thinking of what what do you think actually happened, which I think we're going to talk about in a, in a bit I was wanting to bring up. You couldn't not sympathize with her with what happens and what i especially really liked is she's talking about how this all comes about because she decides to go back to work she goes back to work after the birth of her son and she is going away for a conference or something like that and she's really looking forward to the time away and theo her husband at the time is insistent that he wants to be with her that they should take the whole family and make it a big thing where actually she kind of wanted the space but he was so 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 insistent and she was like we can't take the kid he was so insistent she was like okay he can stay with my sister and that is when the incident happens and what I really liked about that was the point about she couldn't take the toddler because if she did, everyone would say she can't cope, she can't do a job, she's an irresponsible mother. 
Whereas if Theo had taken the child to a work thing that he had, oh, isn't he an amazing dad, this wonderful man? And I thought that was a really, yeah, important comment that was in the book. Those those gender differences there, I was a big fan of that being mentioned. I read part of an interview with Paula Hawkins and one of the things she mentioned in the book, it one of the themes in the book she, she mentioned is that runs through is the way that society judges women and kind of, you know, with the way society judges a woman that looks like Miriam, the way the society judges a woman who behaves the law, the way Laura behaves, the way that society judges someone like mm-hmm. Carla, because they don't represent necessarily those aspects of femininity that society expects to be on display, kind of being caring and nurturing and all, all that other sort of stuff. For me, Carla is a character that's defined by her relationship with other mm. people within the book I found her relationship with Theo quite odd and weird the way that you know her relationship with her sister the the way she behaved her relationship with her her son her relationship with her nephew she's I don't want to say put upon this kind of she lets those other relationships define Mm. who she is rather than having her own identity if that makes sense. And it kind of goes back to the comment that you made earlier on about how society would have viewed her if she'd taken her son to work when her son passed away, kind of her identity was wrapped up yeah. in that, in that relationship as well. Yeah. Agreed. Let's talk yeah. about Irene. <laughs> Sorry. You were no, going to say, gonna say something say. before Yes. That. I mean, let's be honest. She's the hero of the book and I love her to pieces. And it yes. feels like an injustice to me that the uh, bio that you read out, the bio on the blurbs on everything doesn't have her in it. As if she's not as major as all the other ones. I love Irene. She's fab. I, I really like Irene and she saves the day because she's a legend. Um, <laughs> this is my thoughts on Irene. <laughs> So I I really love uh, loved Irene's uh, character. I love the way that she looks about looks out at the world. I love the way that she kind of understands what other people think about her, but she doesn't really yes. give a toss. I I love how she uses the fact that people underestimate her to her advantage sometimes i love the fact that she's got this almost unconditional love yeah for laura as as well she knows laura's stolen stolen from her she i want to say on that actually quickly she... that reminded me a lot in that moment which is really nice of again going back to the pilot the book i listened to called my name is leon a very yeah. similar kind of thing where a I guess caregiver in in some senses, someone who cares for you in a quite a maternal way, even though these aren't biological or kind of things. That kind of motherly figure, seeing that the behaviour isn't a knock on their character and loving them, like you say, unconditional love. But yeah, I think it, it. I just wanted to pull out how that was a similarity that I found in that. It's seeing the person be, behind stuff like that, not taking it personal that she'd stolen and understanding why and that unconditional love yeah yeah and the only knock i have on on Ni- mm-hmm. uh, irene yeah. as a character she does make the comment that comic books and graphic novels aren't real real books how very dare you irene how I very know. dare you I, I... they are uh, just what a horrible awful untrue misguided it, thing it is to misguided say. that's the um, thing irene <laughs> irene is uh, of a different generation and is aware of judgmental oh, oh a different generation oh it's all coming out now. <laughs> no but as in has been brought up to think that reading you have to she'd probably be dissing us for listening to audiobooks to be honest 
But I think yeah. this is just that yeah. I mean is uneducated in the joys of different formats than uh, anything to yeah. actually hold against her forever. I think. I, I think yeah, she is. She's a great character, and the way two things that really stood out to me were the way that she she treats mm-hmm. Laura and she, she's a really brave yeah. person as well kind of like some of the risks mm-hmm. she takes later yeah. on and sure. she's a really yeah she, she's just you know extraordinary so yeah. I think those are the well, I, four so female on I mean, Irene as yeah. well she's kind of responsible for two of my favorite moments I think it's fair to say so one is just genuinely quite a, a cute one but also I don't know they're both about grief grief is obviously a massive theme in this book there's a lot of death you know aside from the main murder there is a lot of death that goes on and grief is a massive theme and I think it is done really well I personally I thought and yeah two moments so because one where she was talking about the fact that she was given her neighbor's pile of books and um, which so happens to be Carla's sister and how she was talking about how Angela this neighbor would you know write in the margins and stick different things in his bookmarks and blah blah, blah. and she talks about the importance of how how that felt like such a connection to her you know these weren't just a pile of old books like Carla said these were memories they were like having a conversation with her she says and I thought that whole passage was really really wonderful even though I tend not to unless I'm studying it write notes in books and things like that and it shivers down my spine I did really like that as a as a whole situation I guess it just it really stood out to me and you there was another moment that you yeah, mentioned and then the as well yeah. was the description of how she lost her husband and how she was dealing oh, with that God, yeah. was so heartbreaking. Yeah. And in one of those ways where it feels weird to say, oh, it's my favourite moment. Um, because obviously yeah. it's really, really sad and really heartbreaking. But that's the point, I think. It was so affecting for me. I was like, this is really well written. So yeah, she, yeah. as well as being an amazing character, she sort of brought about those two moments that I thought were some of the highlights of the book, really. I think another highlight just from the passages that Irene was involved with just kind of the description of what it feels like to be elderly and get you know you know be old and kind of lonely as well you know all you know all the stuff about you know her kind of body aching and not really wanting to go out to the shops having this I don't say desire but this instinct's the wrong word but this thing inside you that wants you to kind of slightly give up about things and just kind of like lie there and be confused because when you're confused you're not remembering the fact that yeah. this man that you've loved is no longer there that's really um i think that was really yeah. really touching yeah it was really sad yeah um uh so i think the, the two other characters the, the two other main characters that we haven't really mentioned yet are mm. theo and what's the name of the murder victim yeah. daniel <laughs> so for for, for for a murder book, kind of like Daniel's not really a main character, I don't think, in a, in a lot of ways. It's more about yeah what his death kind of like kicks off. But Theo is definitely a, a major player in, in, yeah. in the book. Yeah, so Theo, I think it's very safe to say he's a piece of work. Um, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> one where I felt it was a bit odd that the blurb, because, you know, with me having seen it before as well, finding it odd that it fixates on these three characters when, like you say, I think it's the five of them that make the book. I understand this focus on the women and how they're viewed, but yeah, I do kind of feel like you know, he gets he gets words, you know, he gets um, airtime, 
and he is a significant character in it and yeah a piece of work some might argue that there's good intention and it's love-based but it felt very creepy and manipulatively and obsessive love-based rather than noble love-based stuff and obviously so with being Carl's husband he did go through the same loss of the young child um as well but he's a piece of work <laughs> Theo he's got I really didn't like his relationship with with no. Carla I understand there's a lot of there's a lot of water under the bridge in in their relationship they've been through some really maybe one of the most horrific experiences yeah. uh any any couple mm-hmm. can can go through I just felt I don't know it just it really sat uneasily yes. with me kind of the way that he looked at Carla and felt about their relationship I think there was almost this it, it I don't know if it, it, it it's not abuse but there's kind of this thing in their relationship where Carla didn't want to let him down and Theo would just expect Carla be there sort sort of thing and I mean let's let's kind of like get the 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 cat out of the, the bag right now kind of Theo's relationship with Miriam is a lot of the stuff that happens to uh, Theo he deserves because he's done something absolutely horrible to Miriam I'm not entirely sure uh, if the the dog deserved to pay for, for any of that. You know, the way that he treats Miriam, the way that he treats Irene later yeah. on in the book, the way that he's um, prepared to let, you know, throw other characters like Laura underneath yeah. the bus to protect um, himself are uh, all qu- kind of like quite despicable character characteristics. Yeah, and the stuff and, with Miriam, uh, how, yeah. so basically Miriam writes about her traumatic experience that we talked about, writes a memoir about it, doesn't show anyone, ends up having a you know, a friendship with Theo, who is a writer, and goes, you know what, this is the person I'm going to entrust with my manuscript. He runs away, commercialises it, in a you know glorifies it, writes his own book, doesn't give her any credit, stops speaking to her, and claims he never even read the manuscript. So yeah, not good. <laughs> uh, we can all agree that pl- plagiarists are... Not very nice people. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of like it's it's what as as someone who writes a, a, a bit and who creates kind of having someone just steal your material, I, I can imagine would be quite hurtful. But to someone to steal your one of the key moments yeah. in your life and not give you any acknowledgement at all is you know just really really awful. I wish I could articulate better why that his relationship with Carla made me feel. So, uh, so uneasy. You kind of mentioned how, you know, you said the phrase, it's not abuse. And I think it's because their relationship really toes that line between things that some people would consider totally fine and not a problem, and others would recognize as signs of abusive relationships and controlling behaviors and stuff like that yeah i think that's the word yeah. i was looking for is is controlling behavior yeah, it's, it definitely yeah. has the potential to be an abusive relationship i understand why you didn't want to categorize it as that as such and i think maybe that is where the unease comes from it's not a good relationship in any way and yeah it definitely has the potential to be very not good <laughs> yeah and i think it turns out to be very not good for for, for for both of them let's chat a little bit yes. about Daniel he's he we don't we don't get any of his internal 
monologues we only get to hear about him through the way other people yeah. view him which I, I thought was kind of quite an interesting choice by Paula Paula Hawkins not to yeah. give the victim a voice in 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 his own sort of like narrative I, I suppose Definitely. I thought about that you're left at the end or certainly I was torn between two versions of events you've got one where Daniel witnesses the horrific death of his nephew certainly as his cousin sorry certainly finds the body is at a young age is traumatized by this his his toddler cousin has died struggles to cope with that acts out because of it equally is not treated well by his alcoholic mother and one of the ways that he tries to deal with this all these things being mistreated by his mother and having witnessed that event and that trauma was in this graphic novel that he created which portrays him as a villain who actually killed his cousin the flip side is you think that's actually what happened he did actually cause it he has been tricking people Carla mainly into thinking that his mum is bad to him when actually he's the one that's bad to her he then concocts nastiness inappropriateness with Carla later and he's altogether a thousand percent manipulative horrible person and I honestly don't know which one or where on that spectrum to think I I I just have to (laughs) kind of echo your thoughts that we don't we don't really know who Daniel is we know he's certainly done some pretty horrible things I mean the the way he's yeah he treats Laura means he treats Laura we know we can agree on that (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So he treats Laura quite badly. That's the only account of his behaviour that I yes. trust, Agreed. if that makes any sense. Everyone else's accounts of what he may or may have not have done in the past is I don't, suspect or maybe untrustworthy because everyone's got their own um, yeah. own angles. Kind of the accounts of sorry, the accounts that he that his mother wrote in the letters kind of like, oh, he's acting impossibly. We don't really know if that's because he's just being a really difficult child or because Carla was an alcoholic uh, single mother that was just genuinely struggling to cope. The way that uh, Theo looks at him, he kind of, he doesn't want anything to do with that side of the family as a result of what happened to, to their son. And Carla's kind of like stuck somewhere in between. The only thing we do really know about him is that he did kind of like take kind of creepy, yeah. make creepy drawings of Carla. And I was just kind of like, that was the one theme where I couldn't really understand, not understand, but I, I didn't know where to fall on the line, whether that creepiness was being reciprocated mm-hmm. by um, by Carla. So that's the that's the other kind of strand that yeah, kind of definitely. is left. Is that what when you messaged me as well. about it gets weird? Is that what you were talking about? I thought it was when yes, I got it. I was like, yes, this is what you yeah. Mean. Yeah, I because I got to the end of it <laughs> and I don't think anything actually happened. My interpretation is I trust what Carla says or thinks, recounts, that yeah. she woke up and he was just there in her bedroom drawing her and he has then sent them to Theo in a way that makes it seem more like that i was i got a bit confused by that because there was something where angela was going to show theo something and then i think he just leaves the house without her showing and we don't actually get told 
what that was. I was really confused by that. I so my interpretation of that was that he was my well. This is my interpretation. My interpretation of that was that the the graphic novel was in the well. The graphic novels or drawings of Carla were okay. in the the cupboard. Uh, so that's that's kind of my interpretation right. of, of of what happened there. So I think he might have been maybe because uh, so, so Daniel he draw he creates a graphic novel uh, recounting so basically showing himself to kind of murder his his cousin and having sexual feelings towards his aunt kind of his aunt's drawn really kind of like if, if I remember correctly in a kind of sexual way throughout the throughout the books so I think that might have been yeah, it kind maybe. of maybe showing it kind those, of confused me because like uh, it was Theo that came to Angela with the drawing that he was sent the one that we hear about from Carla as to how it yeah. happened but then he tells people later that Angela told him that they were having sexual relations. So I, I don't know if I missed something there. But yeah, I sort of came away from it thinking yeah. more of what Carla said, that there wasn't actually a sexual relationship between them, but that he clearly had some unresolved feelings that were, you know, potentially inappropriate. And yeah, it kind of boils that. There's definitely things about Daniel that are not great. There's that. There's the way he treats Laura, things like that. And I think on that kind of polar which one is it it's that kind of do we think he's an evil manipulative mastermind kind of person like he portrays himself to be in that comic book or is he damaged from that experience and coping with it badly and having been affected by it i think that's where yeah i I, yeah it's one of those even with carla towards the end that kind of leaves you a little bit on a on, yeah. on a cliffhanger about what her exact motivations for doing what she did were. I think Theo, not Theo, um, Daniel. Th- th- there's obviously the thing with I say the thing that you know the the death of his cousin, which she was there to to, to witness. But there's also the fact his that mother and his dad kind of had a really dysfunctional mm-hmm. relationship as well it's it was kind of unclear how functioning carla was before the before the the uh uh before the death the death of her nephew Mm -hmm. into not angelo sorry how uh angela was functioning because there were hints that you know she was untrustworthy and reliable uh feels very reluctant to leave them uh, leave we leave their son with him so it's kind of you do get the thing that there was a dysfunctional uh, relationship there already, which was just completely destroyed um, after after the deaths. But yeah, he he seems like a, to me. I got my interpretation was that he wasn't necessarily a mastermind. He was just a guy that made some really bad yeah. choices. One of which was treat, treating Laura bad, badly, mm. saying, yeah, "Fuck him for that." And kind of this weird yeah. blackmail thing that he was trying to do against Theo. I don't understand. I didn't really understand the leverage yeah, that he had that was, there. It was peculiar. I don't understand what yeah, he was trying to do. Was. Yeah, I mean, may, complete guess of him, but it maybe feels a little bit like because he was clearly not happy, as you said, with Carl having any contact with that side of the family. He didn't want any contact with that side of the family, and given that Carla was a positive influence on his life, perhaps he is, you know, resentful to Theo for holding holding it all against him and not letting him see his aunt as much as he wants or you know you kind of got there could be something of that in there as to why he doesn't like him um but yeah it is it's it's yeah. strange it's strange and yeah i think i'm erring towards thinking that daniel didn't 
cause his cousin's death, but I don't know. You can't, we really can't, we really can't be sure what happened there. Um, and just you're just going back a little mm. bit back to the the blackmail plot. This is kind of set in modern days, and if he's going to kind of blackmail someone mm. with sexually explicit things you wouldn't necessarily take a drawing you would probably take a snap on your mobile phone especially yeah, if he's kind of undressed way, it? It was Carla so yeah I don't know what because if you've drawn a picture where well, you know <sighs> I don't know <laughs> it's just it's just a weird thing so we've been chatting for about um an hour about this there's I think this would be a great book for a book club to kind of read and discuss because there is a lot there's a lot of meat to kind of uh, discuss in terms of how you view and understand different characters and what the events uh, that happened in there you know was was Daniel responsible for his mm-hmm. was cu- cousin's death you know certain things that Laura and Miriam and Irene get up to as well so for me this is is a, is a really uh, surprisingly enjoyable yeah. book um, yeah no I really liked yeah. it as well um and very quickly what you were saying about modern times um, I thought it was kind of cool, yeah. not in any way to the same extent of, of truth in uh, in true crime story, but the fact that there was like real world events. So there was like um, Sal- Salisbury poisoning oh, yeah. stuff and Bottom Gate with uh, Hancock. Um, uh, what was the other thing that that really, I think, tickled me was that that awful main yes, woman. Yeah. Is also <laughs> is also mentioned as well. Yeah. Oh no, it's sorry. The Bottom Gate thing that was um, Jeremy Corbyn one i'm thinking of a more recent bottom game yeah um, but yeah the, the, the jeremy <laughs> one um oh, let's let's not talk no, about let's... the recent bottom gate please just, yeah uh, yeah. Um, yeah so gross. i thought that was really interesting um and then yeah like you say about um book club questions i sort of have um one for you a little bit you can maybe give a, a quick answer if yeah. we don't yeah. want to wait too long but i um yeah. so the tagline is look what you started and like I said about the Norwegian ones, if my translation is correct, um, I believe that one translates more to what have you done? And obviously I don't know much of the subtleties of, of that phrase in Norwegian and stuff. So if we just take it as blanket, like, which do you think fits better? Either look what you started or what have you done? And if I'm honest, I'm not sure either fit for me, but maybe I just don't get the book. The taglines make me think I don't get the book. What's your thoughts? <laughs> So I think, so let's let's actually look at at the title. So as uh, uh, it mentions in the book that you know um, a slow a slow burning fire is kind of when a book crumbles apart from kind of the inside. So I think I, th- I think mm-hmm. my understanding is uh, what have you started is a is is a is a nod to that. Have you started the path to decay? Okay, I think is what the is what the what the book is about it's a bit of an odd it is a bit of an odd tagline but i think it is one of those standard taglines that you do get yes. in crime thrillers as well yeah no, it's so, just yeah. interesting me because i wasn't kind of sure when reading back on both of those either look what you started or what have you done i kind of couldn't pinpoint it i mean i guess the idea is that it applies to a lot of people but still i never felt like starting or Doing and not meaning to do, which is sort of what I get from what have you done, or like start, oh, or yes. starting anything. I never felt like anyone actively started something or anyone did something that they should look back on and wonder about. I yeah, it it felt felt strange to me, but I, I get you so, that see, it's kind of a it's the marketing tool, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> so the, the, yeah, I I, th- I think the only character that really applies to is Theo mm. because he started something in stealing. Yeah. 
Miriam's story that I think without that, then basically all the action in this story doesn't unfold the way that um that it does because without you know without him stealing that that story he doesn't get the successful book uh you know book uh the successful novel that he uh produces he doesn't have the same life miriam doesn't yeah. hate him and do horrible try to do horrible things to him so i think that's the only character that really really applies to in that in that i mean there are things that I don't know. It, maybe it does apply a little bit more because there are things that Miriam does at the start of the book in terms of like hiding evidence and yeah. that sort of thing as well. So maybe it does apply a little bit more specifically yeah. than, than I I guess it's just thought. that kind yeah. of idea of, you know, either if you're saying look or what, it's kind of the idea that they should be, they, they didn't mean it bad, but look, it's turned out bad kind of thing which yes seem to it's the sort of thing you say yeah. to a naughty child isn't it it's the sort of thing you say to a naughty child look, look what yeah. look what you've done Whereas i feel like yeah yeah in in the most cases people reacted in an intentional way to stuff you know even if they regret it later yeah. or don't regret it later they acted in a very intentional way which then feels odd for those ones but yeah Oh, we should mention, we should have mentioned this at the start. This was an advanced review, review copy, copy from Penguin Random House Audio. Uh, thank you very much to, to Chloe, who sent over the last few books that we reviewed from Penguin Random House. It's really greatly yeah, uh, so appreciated. And yes, yeah, so this is a recommendation from me. If you want a, a superb thriller with excellently written mm -hmm. characters and lots of tension, that you know, this is should be straight up your mm -hmm. street yeah i think i can echo that okay cool and the next book that we are going to do if i can if i can yeah the next episode we're going to do we're going to be interviewing uh kelly ergen she is an editor and publishing hopeful and we're going to be chatting to her about some of her favorite audiobooks and her career in publishing as well awesome. great okay thanks guys please rate and review the podcast wherever you find it use the uh, link at the bottom to send us some cash if you want to or use the affiliate link to start your own podcast and they'll kick us some money as well um thank you guys thank you so okay bye, bye.